Oh, I've always been a coffee kind of guy. And I think that's because as a young boy, my mother used to make me coffee in the morning. And I've always just been a coffee drinker ever since. But after moving over to Australia, it intensified a few degrees. Because here you get professionally made barista coffee. And so I became a bit of a coffee snob. Um, enjoying really good quality coffee. But I recently attended a, a full day conference and the first break, the morning break, I found myself at the table and there was no coffee. And so I was staring at what I could potentially drink and I ended up with a pre-packed bag of tea in my hand. Brightly orange colored tea bag and it said rooibos and vanilla. And so I tried to establish if I'm going to enjoy this tea. So I opened the bag, I smelled it, and I kind of had a feel of it, but it was giving me nothing. So the only choice I had was to put it in hot water. And within a half a second, I could smell the flavor and the aroma coming up from the tea. But I could also see how the, the flavor was permeating through the hot water. So what a, what a difference this one ingredient made is by just adding hot water, it brought so much out of the tea. And needless to say, I enjoyed that tea and I now consider myself to be a tea kind of guy as well. But this is a bit of an analogy because it's the same for coffee and tea. It needs that one ingredient to really bring out what's inside and that's hot water. So by adding hot water, the tea and the coffee comes into its own and it brings out what's inside. And so we see that James is starting off with a similar proposition to us. He's saying, consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials. And this seems to be a difficult uh, thing for us to, to understand. It seems to be a contradiction. We know that trials is painful, it's difficult. So how can we have pure joy in trials? But let's first have a look at the author of James and the book of James for a bit of background. So James 1 verse 1 says, James, a servant of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that the author was named James. But there was a few Jameses around in Jesus' time. One was James, the son of Zebedee. The other was James, the son of Alphaeus, and both of them were apostles. However, most scholars agree that it's unlikely that these two are the authors of the book. Most agree that it's actually James, the brother of Jesus, the oldest brother. In other words, the second born of Mary, the first born of Joseph. James was the oldest brother. He had six other siblings, of which Jude was one. And he grew up in the same house as Jesus for over 20 years. And we know that that might have been difficult. And we can understand that Jesus' perfection could have been a stumbling block for James. Just imagine how many times James must have heard his parents say, James, why can you not be more like your brother? So we learn that James was not a follower of Jesus during Jesus' time on earth. Only after witnessing the Lord's resurrected body, so Jesus appeared to James in his glorified state, 
Only after witnessing the Lord in this way, James turned to faith and became a follower and continued from there to become one of the leaders in the church. We also read that after Peter's miraculous release from prison, that he writes that James was there amongst the Christians. James was the one who gave the deciding speech at the the Jerusalem Council in approximately 49 AD. And James remained a leader in the church until his death, around 62 AD. Paul calls James one of the pillars of the church. And James is also known as James the Just because of the amount of work he did in the church in the latter part of his life. So the book of James then is a collection of writings and teachings and letters by James, the brother of Jesus. And it looks and feels a bit like the Old Testament book of Proverbs. And this is because it focuses on practical advice in the life of faith, but with a a New Testament language. So very much in the style of Proverbs. And the themes that James addresses to his congregation is around concern for the poor. He talks about responsible um, use of wealth. He talks about unity of the people, unity in the congregation, unity in the community. And he also talks about patience and endurance during times of trial. Many of the scholars say that the book of James is very heavy on works and light on faith. However, the Lord willing, we will see today that James lays the foundation in the very first four verses of his his book to establish that it's actually all about faith and that these practical advices come from a foundation of a living and a saving faith. So please have your Bibles open and let's look at James from verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So let's start by looking at just those very two first words of verse two, consider it. The King James translation translates as count it all. So James is here inviting us to think carefully. He's saying, consider it. Stop and consider everything. Count it all. Think about everything you know about this universe. Everything you know about this life. What's real in this world. Think of all of it. The good, the not so good, the neutral and the bad. Count all of it. Consider all of it. And James is saying somehow that this is pure joy. So let's see what he means. He continues to say, Consider it joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. So James here with trials of many kinds is not drawing our attention to the volume or the, uh, the amount or the number of trials that you will face in your life. But he's rather drawing our attention to the very kinds of trials. James is saying trials and troubles come in all shapes and sizes. 
if you live on this earth, you will see trials. You will see trouble. Trouble comes uninvited. Trouble doesn't make appointments. It's got the key to your front door. It comes in, unannounced, at the most inconvenient times. Trials come from all different places. It comes from within your family. It could come from work. It could come from somewhere in the community. It could come from financial troubles. It could come from health and well-being. Troubles could come from natural disasters. And yes, from a global pandemic that we are experiencing at the moment. James is saying, do not exclude any of this. Count all of it. Count everything. We should also note that James is not distinguishing here between internal and external trials. Personally, I have found that an internal trial very soon becomes an external trial. And an external trial spills over and becomes an internal struggle. So even there, we cannot separate the two. James is saying, count it all. We know that Jesus himself was not able to avoid trouble. In fact, he said to his disciples, you have been with me in my troubles. He says it's normal in this world to have tribulations. And I think James is silent here on the type of trial because he doesn't want us to stare into what the trial is that's right in front of us. Our nature is that we, once we see the trial, that is all we see. And James is inviting us here to consider everything but look past it. Look past the trial so that we can consider what is following on from that. Trial in the dictionary explains as the meaning test to assess the suitability or performance of something. So James is saying it's pure joy when you face tests to consider the suitability or performance. And what is it that the suitability and performance is being tested of? Well, verse 3 invites us and says, It's because that it's for the testing of your faith. So in other words, to help you see whether your faith is real or not. And James writes that when your faith is tested, it produces, verse 3, perseverance. So every trouble that comes into life becomes a test of the genuineness of your faith. You either pass it or you fail. If it ends up in sin, then it's proven to be a successful temptation. If it ends up in victory, it's proven to be a successful trial. So trials then that James are referring to are tests. Firstly, to reveal the genuineness of our faith. And secondly, the strength of our faith. So in verse 2 and 3, we see James is saying, Think carefully, consider everything, count everything about how the troubles that you've seen in your life and in this world can be counted and considered as pure joy. He gives us a clue 
and how we can counter this joy. Because he says that the purpose of trials is to be testing of faith. And like we said, that's testing the genuineness and the strength of your faith. And so who do we think needs to see the result of this test? Is it God? Is it God testing us so that he can see if our faith is genuine? Is it maybe so that our pastor can see? Or so that the elders can see? Or somebody at work? What is the purpose of these trials? For whose benefit are these tests of your faith? Remember that God is omniscient. He's omnipotent. And He's known you since before time. When He laid the foundation of this world, He knew you. So God doesn't need to test your faith. God doesn't need to determine if your faith is real or not. He knows. God knows if your faith is real. He knows if your faith is a living faith. So the test of your faith is not for that purpose. So what could it be then? If it's not for God to find out, for whose purpose are these tests of our faith, these trials, these difficult times that we go through? Beloved, trials and troubles come through our life, testing our faith to reveal to us to reveal to you and to me, personally, if you have a living faith, if you have a saving faith. And once we have that knowledge at the end of the trial, that the Lord has carried us through, and that realization that you have a living and saving faith is what opens up the fountains of joy. This pure joy that James is talking about comes from realizing you have a living, saving faith. The joy is not in the clever plan that you make during the trial. The joy is not in the brave decisions that you make during a trial. It's not in the clever plans you come up with to avoid a trial. No, that is self-centered joy. That is pride. Joy is handing it over to the Lord and trusting in Him to get you through it. And if you persevere through trials, in other words, if you continue to hand it over to the Lord to get you through it every day, and never abandon your trust in Him, in other words, your faith is then proven to be a saving faith, a genuine faith. The result is that you would have incredible peace and calmness amidst the raging storm outside, raging uncertainty. The result is that you have peace and no worry. This is pure joy. James is saying that being tested and realizing that your, that your faith is true, that your faith is a saving faith, is the source of pure joy. So these trials, brothers and sisters, is for you and for me. It's for our benefit. It's for your own benefit to realize where your faith is at. So I'll say it again. The test of our faith is not a test 
for God to see if your faith is real. It is for you to see if your faith is real. And if it is real, then that produces a joy that dwarfs anything else that you can experience. And a joy that can be taken away by nothing in this world. So if your Christianity is genuine, it will show up in troubled times. Because our faith is for troubled times. If your faith is no good in trouble, then why have a faith? So what does the perseverance not look like? So during difficult times, during times of hurt, times of disappointment, times of being tested, the living faith does not respond with anger, with resentment, with criticism towards others, with pointing the finger at other members in the congregation saying you could have done this better or that better. No, James is saying that through all kinds of trials, the persevering faith is the faith that results in pure joy. Pure joy in the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And a pure love that brings the community together and does not divide. And we continue in verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, perseverance means a continued effort and determination. And enduring means to patiently, triumphantly continue through something that is unpleasant. So it's clear that it doesn't mean here uh, that it is a kind of perseverance that it's, that's a human perseverance. So gritting your teeth, holding your breath, sucking it up, hardening up closing your eyes and just pushing through. That's not what James is saying. That's the wrong kind of perseverance. The perseverance James is talking about is a perseverance where your eyes is wide open, seeing everything that is happening in your situation and giving everything over to the Lord in every moment and trusting Him 100% that He's got you, that He will deliver you, that He will give you the wisdom and the discernment to make the right decisions. And let's also look at verse 12 together with verse 4 here. Verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So James calls those who persevere those that love him. So it's all about love. It's all about a love, a love relationship from Christ to his church. So those who are saved have an ongoing profound love for Jesus because he loves us. So what does it mean to love him? What does it mean to love the Lord Jesus? Well, Jesus said it over and over. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 4, 15, John 5, 9, 1 John 2, 1 John 4, 1 John 5, 
all of it the same. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the genuineness of our love is built. The genuineness of our faith is built on love. Not love for each other or love for this world, but firstly and primarily love for our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And love to be demonstrated as genuine must be tested. And how is it tested? Through trials of many time, of many kinds. Verse 2. And why trials? Because trials test your faith. Verse 3. Why test our faith? Because it produces and builds perseverance. Verse 3. Why do we need perseverance? Because when perseverance finishes its work, it strengthens our faith. It matures our faith. It completes us. In other words, it creates a living faith. It builds a living faith. So why a living faith? Because they are the ones who receive the crown of life. Verse 12. And why the crown of life? What's significant about the crown of life? Well, that is what our Lord Jesus promises to those who love him. It's to be in heaven with him. That is eternal life. So isn't that great, brothers and sisters, that in these few verses, James is really inviting us to consider what is behind trials. And there's, there's so much behind there that once you start seeing that, the trials that you are facing really just dwarfs in comparison. Once you see what is behind the trials and the purpose of trials, that becomes the source of your joy. And in the same way that James is inviting us to consider all of this, can I invite you to consider why everything in Scripture is recorded from Genesis 1 verse 1, the first account of creation, to the last verse of Revelation. Why is that all recorded? Once again, for whose benefit? It's definitely not for God to remember. Because as we established, God is omniscient. So the purpose of this is once again for us to remember. Not so much who we are, but it's for us to remember that God keeps his promises. He's a God of covenants. And scripture reminds us that from the very first day of creation, God has been faithful time and time again. He's been faithful over and over again. He's been faithful in creation. He's been faithful to his people, to Israel. And he continues to be faithful to this day. So really in inviting us to consider the pure joy, James is saying, think of all of it. Everything you know as true in this world, all of it needs to be considered because that is your, your source of joy. Because the Lord God is a God of promise. And he never breaks his promise. He's the one trustworthy person that we can rely on. Beloved, please be encouraged today. And know that all your trials have the purpose of testing your faith. And having stood the test, 
you will receive the crown of life. However, if you are struggling in this current trial, if it's getting the better of you, if worry or anxiety is crouching at your doorstep, if fear and worry is gnawing away at your soul, call on the Lord, asking for wisdom. But with a believing heart, call on Him with a believing heart. Do not waver in your faith. Do not be double-minded and be like a wave tossed in the wind. But ask in true faith. Call out to our Lord, Lord Jesus, please help. Save me. Please save me, Lord, in the way that only you can. We know that our Lord has laid down his life for us. And when we consider it all, that is the anchor that makes all the difference. That he's already won the victory and he's already rescued us from this trial. And that is our source of pure joy. So maybe, may we worship and glorify the work of our Lord Jesus Christ amidst the trials of many kinds that we face in this world. And I pray that that would be your source of pure joy. Amen. We will now sing another song of worship.